And when we put everything on Him, when we realize it's all about Christ and what He has done and what He is doing for us, it should lead us to live in the same humility that our focus, our words, our hope is always in the person of Christ. This Christmas, above everything else, I pray that you'll deepen and strengthen your faith in the Christ of Christmas. Welcome to this week's episode of the His Hill Podcast. My name is Kelly Darty, and I'm your host. In preparation of Christmas, I've asked Ron Lowry, who is one of our guest speakers and longtime friend of His Hill, to lead us in two devotions, with the second being posted next week. In Hebrews 11.6, we're told that it is impossible to please God without faith. So why would we think that celebrating Christmas would be exempt from faith? In today's episode, Ron will highlight the faith of Mary and Joseph at the birth of Jesus. And as we look at their example, may we be encouraged also to grow by faith in the person of Christ. Here's Ron. Christmas is uh, always an exciting time, probably in every home. But I know in our home, it's so exciting. The children are so excited to get the Christmas tree up, and they're more excited to start seeing gifts go under it. But as we look at Christmas, it's easy to get caught up in all the glitz and glamour and giving and partying. But I'd really like us to pull back and, and look at Christmas is really faith. It's all about faith. You know, I'm reminded in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, God says, For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. And the base things of this world and the despised God has chosen. The things that are not, so that he may nullify the things that are, so that no man may boast before God. And it's interesting how God describes those that he's, he's chosen and those whom he, he looks for. Because he's not looking for great people, great skill, great performers. I mean, he'll save them. God's looking for the ordinary. We'll just live by faith. As the prophet Habakkuk said, the just live by faith. Within the Christmas event recorded in Scripture, um, there are two individuals we talk about all the time, but I want to look at how they stand out in their simple yet profound faith in God. Mary and Joseph. You know, actually, we know very little about Mary and Joseph. They're really common people. They weren't wealthy, seemingly, or it's not indicated that they were very highly educated or hold great positions in their community. And honestly, they were not from the right side of the tracks. You know, that neighborhood. They were in a poor place. In fact, Galilee itself was not a popular region, and and Nazareth was a despised city. That's why Nathan said when he was called to come see Jesus of Nazareth, and he said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And he probably chuckled when he said it, indicating it's not a very desirable place to be from. But truly, all we know about Mary is that she's a young virgin. And all we know about Joseph, 
was that he was carpenter, and both came from the line of David. You don't hear much about them, especially Joseph. You know, the last thing you hear about Joseph when Jesus is about 12 years old and they go to Jerusalem for Passover and Jesus (laughs) slips away and hangs back at the temple and he's missing for three days. I don't think Joseph is ever mentioned again after that. Little known, not significant people, but two people of enormous faith, submission, and humility before God. And I think there's a lesson there for us. First of all, consider their faith. You can go back and read in Luke chapter 1 about the account of Mary. Remember, Gabriel's already visited Zacharias and told her that, told him that Elizabeth is going to be with child. And now Elizabeth is in her sixth month of pregnancy. And Gabriel is sent by God to the city of Nazareth to a young virgin about 13 to 15 years old. Mary, just minding her own business, really don't know what she was doing when Gabriel shows up, but he comes with this overwhelming announcement that she is about to be with child, and not just any child. She's going to give birth to the long-awaited Messiah, the Christ child, the Savior of all mankind. What an announcement. And she questions it. Now, remember, her question is not one of doubt, but a perplexed wondering as how she's going to be pregnant. She knows she's pure and chaste. She knows she's unmarried. She knows basic biology. And she hasn't had relations with the man, and she has no intention of doing so until after her marriage. And she can't understand how all of a sudden she's going to be impregnated And not only that, as I said, not just a normal child, but the Savior, the King of Kings. You have to contrast that with Zechariah. Zechariah was married. They'd been praying for a child. They could have normal relations. And his was a question of absolute doubt. I've asked and asked. Nothing's happened. And now how's it going to happen with myself and Elizabeth so old? But hers was a question of perplexity, of wonderment of trying to grasp what God was saying to her. And so Gabriel explains to Mary that this is what God has purposed. This is God's plan. This is God's will for Mary. In fact, this is God's call on Mary's life. She may be a teen. She may be a virgin. She may be from Nowheresville. But this is God's purpose for her. This is why God has her here and how God wants to use her. And you have to try to put yourself in Mary's sandals. What she's hearing is overwhelming. It's impossible. It's inexplainable. Yet Mary says, okay, faith. Mary Mary is saying, I don't understand it. I can't figure it out. It doesn't seem possible. But God has said this is his will and his way of bringing it about. So whatever God desires of me is what I will do. I'm his servant. I'm his property. Thus I'll follow him. Faith. Simple, yet absolutely profound faith. And then we read of Joseph in Matthew chapter 1. He's engaged to Mary, loves her evidently with all his heart. She's been away to another town to visit her cousin Elizabeth. 
whom Gabriel had told her at this time of coming to Mary was that Elizabeth was already six months pregnant. So she goes and visits cousin Elizabeth, but when she returns home, she, Mary, is at least three months pregnant. Obviously, visibly pregnant at this time. I'm sure the news hit Joseph long before he caught sight of her. What is he going to do? How is he supposed to think this? Not only has she gone and played the role of a harlot, but now she's accusing him of being an imbecile. She's saying she didn't have sexual relations with anybody. (laughs) She's just pregnant. Nobody's going to believe that. And as he's pondering this, and I'm sure praying over this situation, an angel, I suppose it to be the angel Gabriel, since he's the one that came to Zacharias and was sent to Mary, this angel come and he explains to Joseph, this is the activity of God. Mary's telling you the truth. She's still a virgin. She's still chaste. She's still worthy of you as a wife. This is how I'm using her in my will and my purpose and my calling, God says through Gabriel. And so Joseph listens and he accepts what God has told him. And in Matthew chapter 1, verse 24, it says Joseph gets up and he goes right away and marries Mary. Immediate obedience. Faith. Simple faith, yet profound faith. And in this story, we'll see that genuine faith always leads to our absolute submission and surrender to the Lord, regardless of the cost, regardless of the impossibilities. Their deep and sincere faith moved them to absolute submission to God in His perfect will. Think about Mary, and I suppose this is part of her questioning. Obviously, she's a very godly young lady. And according to Deuteronomy chapter 22, verses 23 to 24, she should be stoned to death for being pregnant outside of marriage. So she realizes that accepting God's will can possibly cost me my very life. And I don't think anybody really wanted to be stoned to death. She also realizes she could lose her reputation, and she did, with many who accused her of being a harlot and bearing an illegitimate child, all the way into Christ's ministry, even today. She realized that her family is going to reject her, and they did. Have you ever considered when they had to go back to Bethlehem, the Bible says there's no room in the inn? Why were they looking for an inn? That's where their family should be. They've got no family that wants her in their home because of what they think about her. She could lose Joseph and almost did. That was part of Joseph's predicament. He knew she should be stoned, but he didn't want that. He knew he couldn't marry her, so he's trying to put her away privately and considering and pondering that when Gabriel comes to him. She knows the cost of all of this. I'm sure that's in what's in her questioning Gabriel, yet she submits to God's will and obeys, losing herself but gaining Christ. Consider Joseph's submission. 
his faith leading to an absolute surrender to God's will. You know he's heartbroken, he's devastated, he's crushed. How could Mary do this? How could Mary make a mockery of herself and of him? He's totally destroyed and probably close to deep depression. As Gabriel speaks to him and explains this is God's will, well, Joseph knows this is going to cost his reputation. Whatever reputation he has is going to be lost. How, how can he be the husband who takes up a wife like this? A, a wife who's going to have a shadow over her character for all of their marriage. He, he realizes that it's going to cause him as well to be rejected from family again. When they go back to Bethlehem, the place of their birth, there's no family even on his side seemingly that's willing to take them in. The reason they're looking for a room in the inn, can't find it, so they wind up in a cave used as a stable. What about his business? He's a carpenter. I'm sure by this time he's built up quite a business. One word gets out about Mary and what's happened and her reputation and he marries her. Well, he's going to get rejected and likely lose a lot, if not most, if not all of his business. Yet as he's questioning this, as he's praying through this, as all of this is overwhelming him, Gabriel is explaining God's will to him. And we see that Joseph simply submits to God's will and obeys. Again, losing himself, but gaining Christ, walking with the Lord. That's that's so huge for us today. They count the cost, a huge cost. They see all the impossibilities, complete impossibilities. You ever run up against those? (laughs) Yes, but this is impossible. That's impossible. How could God expect this of me? We see God's call on their life. They count the cost. They, They consider all that's going to happen, and many of their fears did happen as you read through the Gospels. Yet rather than looking at how things could be or will be, rather than looking at at their circumstances, rather than considering all the impossibilities, they see their God is bigger. They see their God as more majestic. Their love for Him, their dedication for Him brings them to a place of absolute willingness to sacrifice themselves, their future, their marriage, their family, so that they may be in God's will, so that God may be glorified. And in the process of all of that, they gain Christ, and they gain walking in fellowship and communion with God the Father. Amazing faith. An amazing faith, genuine faith, always leads to submission to God's will. That should be true of you and me as well. And notice how they remain strong in their faith and submission to God through all of it. This inexplainable pregnancy, no one's going to believe them. They're questioned. They're questioned by the Pharisees. They're questioned by family. They're questioned year in and year out, yet they remain staunch in their faith that this is God's will. Then, how do you explain what it would be like to take your wife and wind up in a barn? 
to wind up in a, a hole in the wall used as a stable that's full of animals, full of filth, full of all of the animal filth and the rats and the bugs, nasty hay, and this is where you've got to give birth? You know, ladies think, birthing your child, do you want to do it on a dirty floor in a filthy stable with all these animals looking at you? Well, no, we want the best of places, but this is where they are. Yet they remain staunch in their faith and in their submission to God's will. And if that's not bad enough, you've got a dude named Herod who tries to murder their young child and murders, we don't know how many young boys. They have to flee to Egypt. They're in Egypt for a while, and they come back and wind up back in Nazareth. None of this turned out to be just a wonderful trip, tiptoeing through the tulips. It was hard. It was difficult. It was frightening. Yet all the way through, they stay faithful to God. Why? They have seen over and over that God can be trusted. And this is what Christmas is about. We can trust God. Yes, we're dead in our trespasses and sins. Yes, we're separated from God. Yes, we deserve His wrath and condemnation. But Christ came for us. And so in the midst of anything and everything, we can have faith. Well, quickly, I want to look at one more aspect of their life. Genuine faith always leads to absolute submission which develops increasingly humility in our lives. Think about their humility. They know that their son is the promised Messiah, the Christ, the one prophesied, the one long waited for. But nowhere in Scripture or in history do we ever see them attempting to promote themselves in any fashion as, hey, I'm the parents of the Messiah. No, they submit to him as their Savior as well. Mary remained a humble housewife and mother. Joseph remained a humble carpenter. Although I bet you that all the work that came out of his shop when Jesus was working was pretty superb work. But he just remained a humble carpenter. And remember, after that event, when Jesus is 12 years old, Joseph disappears and has remained in absolute obscurity. Mary, you read about her prayer, her song called the Magnificat. And there's only two verses concerning herself and all the rest is about Christ. You know, first in her songs, she doesn't wish to be praised by men. She doesn't wish to be worshipped by men. She's the very first to call Jesus her Savior. And she sees Christ as the blessing of all mankind. And she faithfully surrenders to him. Another thing you notice about that song is it's steeped in the Old Testament. <clears throat> It's interesting, eh? A little 13, 14, 15-year-old girl has been a humble student of scriptures all her life, and she knows them well and knows how they apply to this man, her son, and she submits to it. So that's why I say Christmas is really about faith. Giving ourselves to God in absolute surrender and submission to Him. And when we put everything on Him, when we realize it's all about Christ and what He has done and what He is doing for us, it should lead us to live in the same humility that our focus, our words, our hope is always 
in the person of Christ. This Christmas, above everything else, I pray that you'll deepen and strengthen your faith in the Christ of Christmas. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the sending of your Son, Jesus Christ. And Lord Jesus, we thank you that you trusted God and submitted to his will and in humility you came to die a wicked death so that the wicked may be made holy. Father, I pray that you'd work that same faith and submission and humility in us as we rely on the very presence of Christ to live each day. Thank you for coming. Thank you for being our Savior. And may we focus our life on Christ and telling others about you. And it's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Make sure to listen to the second of this two-part series, which will be posted next Thursday. I want to thank Ron for giving us his time. He's been sick, and he's still not 100%, so I really appreciate his willingness and time in recording these two episodes. If you're not already doing so, make sure to follow us on Instagram. You can find us at The His Hill Podcast. Well, our students are home for Christmas break, so the hilltop is quiet. And so we ask that you would continue to pray for our students, that they would get good rest, continue to grow in Christ, and be ready for a new semester in January. If you would like to have any of our teachers come and speak for your event, just send me an email. It's kelly, K-E-L-L-Y, at hishill.org. And I'll be glad to try and coordinate that for you. Well, Merry Christmas. Thanks for listening. And remember, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Jesus.